Hey, everybody, it's Andrea. Before we start today's show, I have a super quick announcement to share with all of you. Beginning in April, I'm going to be launching a series of college to career live weekend boot camps to help graduating seniors as well as juniors who are confused about what jobs or careers they might want to pursue when they graduate. So imagine going from confused to confident with at least three different career options you'd be psyched to explore by the end of day one of the boot camp. And then learning the tools, tactics, and the strategies to find those jobs by the end of day two. The boot camp is live and it's led by me over Zoom. And you can learn more about it at College to Career Academy. That's college, the number two, career.academy. Or you can just look me up on LinkedIn and check out the featured section of my LinkedIn page. I can't imagine a better graduation gift for the college students in your life. Thanks so much for listening, and I know you're going to enjoy my next incredible guest. Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career double shot K-Cup with my guest, Galit Lahav. What does a typical day look like for you, Galit? In other words, now you're not in the lab, but before the coronavirus, how frequently would you be in the lab? And when you're not in the lab, what are you doing? Okay, so there are a few kinds of a typical day. Okay, so one kind is a day that I go to the office. I have an office that is right next to the lab and I get there around 8.39 after dropping the kids at school and I have what I call, you know, back-to-back meetings. So meetings and these meetings can be meeting with people in my lab to discuss their research, to go over new data, to think about how the next experiment, to analyze the data, to just brainstorm new ideas or how to solve problems. These can be meetings with faculty in the department. Since I'm a department chair, I'm also responsible for them to talk about any issues that they have to help with their development, to discuss how to enable their research. It can be, if it's a day that I'm teaching, it can be working with students in the classroom and it can be two or three hours of teaching. It can be meetings with the Harvard Medical School leadership to work on policies and guidance. And it can be meetings with administrators to work on budgets and space issues and facilities and so on. So it's meetings, 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 meetings. And I would say probably about three days out of five are like that. Now, I've learned I have at least one day that is no meeting day, like no one can get on my calendar. And it's uh, actually the only day 
day I can think. And I use this day many times, first of all, to catch up on stuff that I need to do, emails and writing, but most importantly, to work on papers that I'm writing, to write grants that we talk that we need money for do the re- to do the research, to read papers, to be a scientist, right? So <laughs> it's uh, during these meetings, I really don't have a quiet moment to think. And to be a scientist, you can't just do it in half an hour between meetings. You really need long chunk of time to think. So at least once a week, I have a no meeting day that I practice and remind myself how much I love being a scientist. And I've also started to incorporate something that I call incubation days, which I love. And I think they're really critical. And these are spontaneous days that, again, have nothing on the calendar, no meetings, but also no task, like work on this paper and and revise this review. And it's almost like whatever happens, happens. And it's me spontaneously, if I'm in the office, going and chit-chatting with people, suddenly finding a whiteboard and starting brainstorming a new idea, browsing different things online, even just taking a long walk. Like I actually think that we all work way too hard and it's just... Creativity is so important for scientists. And I think taking these breaks and allowing time to breathe and think is just so important. It also helps to bring joy, I think, to the work that sometimes we forget about. So I'm actually reading this book. Dr. Lahav can see this. It's called Rest. Why you get more done when you work less. It's by Alex Su Jung Kim Pong, I highly, highly recommend it to your point. We actually are more productive. It's counterintuitive. We're more productive when we give our brains rest, real rest on a regular basis, not just like the way we do here in the United States, where it's like, okay, I have my one week vacation a couple times a year, but on a daily basis, to take those breaks. Yes. And I actually, I want to say one more thing about that because it's something I'm very passionate about. I think there is a risk. There is this notion in science, probably in academia and beyond that in order to be successful and, you know, the best of the best, you should want to think and do science all the time. And I remember when I was a student, I was really worried about that because I wanted to have a balanced life, wanted to have hobbies and wanted to have kids. And I thought, okay, if I'm someone who doesn't want to think about science on the time, Maybe it's not the right profession for me. And I've learned throughout the years, there are many ways of doing this. And you can have plenty of hobbies and friends and kids and decide this is the time I'm focusing on science and this is the time I'm detaching myself and this is okay. And you can be very successful even with this lifestyle. Excellent. Such an important point. And I know, as I said in the introduction, you've been leading an initiative at Harvard Medical School to make it a destination of choice for women scientists. And you've done that through recruitment and support for women faculty. Why is something like that so needed? And I'm guessing maybe not just at Harvard Medical School. How common is it now to have women in the lab? What is the male-female breakdown like right now in this field? Yeah, so it's interesting because you see in the undergrad level or even graduate level, you see equal representation of female and male, which is great. But then when you start to go higher at the postdoc and especially at the faculty professor level, the percentage of female drops significantly. Now, in my field, systems biology, which is it's a more quantitative theoretical field, we are in about 20% female faculty. 
which is extremely low. And so we, we really need to ask ourselves why and what we can do to change that. In my mind, more role models is one of the solutions for more young females to see that women can succeed and again, can live quite a balanced life while they are working in this demanding job. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.